Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. I'm thankful for the Scattered Abroad Network podcast for sponsoring this podcast. I want to let you know to go over to scatteredabroad.org or search for Scattered Abroad Network in your podcast app, uh, especially the Scattered Abroad Network uh, master feed. You can find all the content that we are able to push out uh, every day of the week. We are continuing our study this week of First Peter chapter 3, part 2. We're going to look at verses 15 through 22. Verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be always ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So this is really important. Uh, Christians, not only do we need to know what the Word says, but we need to be able to supply answers to those who are asking us uh, reasons. Reasons for what? Reasons for the hope that is in us. Uh, when when our, we have a bad day, um, Christians' bad days should be vastly different from the world's bad days. Um, the world, people who are in the world, they oftentimes can be despondent. Uh, they can be angry. They can be uh, just really, really having a bad day. And I, and I get it. We as Christians, we have our bad days too, but it should be different. Uh, we should be able to still have hope. We should still be able to have joy and peace uh, as Christians, even on our bad days. And so when other people around us see that, when they see our example, when they see the light that we're shining and uh, they see that we're the salt of the earth, uh, as we should be in Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 13 and following, when they see that, it ought to cause them to desire to want to ask us why. Well, why do you still have hope? Why are you still joyful? Why do you have peace in this kind of terrible situation? Well, we need to be able to supply those answers. And so Peter says we need to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. We do that by setting him, God, apart as holy and most important in our lives. God is number one, period, in our lives as Christians. If, if he's not, uh, if sports comes ahead of God, if uh, money or, um, you know, our jobs, etc., school, whatever, if it goes before the Lord and his church, then we are not setting apart God as holy in our hearts. We have to do that, and we've got to be ready to give this answer, give this defense for all those who ask us for the hope that is in us. Now, uh, the Greek word for defense or answer is apologia. Does that sound familiar? I hope I hope that it sounds familiar to you. Um, we've had a, a few episodes on this podcast about apologetics. What is apologetics? Well, it is defending the faith, uh, whether we're talking about defending it from uh, evolution, evolutionism and secular humanism and things like that, or we're talking about defending the faith from a standpoint of defending the inspiration of the scriptures, or even defending the faith from a standpoint of you know, de defending and guarding against false doctrines. These are all ideas regarding apologetics. Well, we have to be able to be ready to give that apologia, to give the defense for the things that we believe, for the things that are found in God's Word. And then finally, also we need to point out in verse 15 here that there's a right way and a wrong way 
to give that defense. Uh, we are not to be haughty. We are not to be arrogant. We are not to be unloving. We are to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, verse 15. And uh, certainly that includes not being you know, purposely condescending and uh, mean-spirited or what have you. But we need to do this with meekness and with fear. And so meekness being strength uh, under control, uh, not flying off the handles or, or what have you. No, we need to control ourselves and, and do so properly, but also with fear. And that is proper reverence for God. That is verse 15. Let's look at verses 16 through 22. Let's talk about the good conscience. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ, may be ashamed. Peter follows up the fact that we have hope and we need to share our hope and be ready to do so by you know, saying this, well, Christians have a, a good conscience. And those who would try to defame our character, they're not only going to be proven wrong, but also they themselves will be ashamed if they try to disparage our conduct, if they try to disparage our character. Well, in order to have a good conscience, what do we have to do as Christians? Well, we have to keep it clean, don't we? Have you ever heard this? Let your conscience be your guide. Seems like there was a Disney movie uh, that said that. Pinocchio, if you remember. Is that right? Should we let our conscience be our guide? I would submit to you this. It depends on how your conscience is trained. You know, here in First Peter 3 and in other places in the Bible, it talks about a good conscience. And so a properly trained conscience is a gift from God, we might say, in the sense that it helps us, it kind of keeps us on our toes, so to speak. But just because something is done in good conscience does not necessarily mean that it is right. A good conscience must be trained. It has to be a pure conscience, 1 Timothy 3, verse 9. And it has to be truly a good conscience, 1 Timothy 1, verse 5, and 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. But sometimes people think that their conscience is good, but it turns out that it's actually not. I think back to the life of Paul, who lived his life in good conscience. Until this day, Paul says in Acts 23 and verse number 1, well, a good part of his life had been spent doing what? Persecuting Christians. But he did it in good conscience. He thought he was doing right. He thought he was persecuting uh, blasphemers. Well, it turns out that he was terribly wrong. The Jews that killed Christ, they had a good conscience about what they were doing. In fact, Romans 10 verse 2 says that they had a zeal for God, but their zeal was not according to knowledge. Sometimes a good, properly trained conscience can be ruined by sinfulness. That is, it can be seared with a hot iron, as it says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 2. Some people's conscience they put away, and they're shipwrecked concerning the faith, 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. So can our conscience be our guide? Well, again, I submit to you, it depends on are you training that conscience properly? Certainly a properly trained good conscience will help us. Um, it will, you know, when we're tempted, 
it will remind us, hey, I don't need to do this. Why? Because we have hidden God's word in our hearts that we might not sin against him. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 11. But we need to remember that just because you have a conscience doesn't necessarily mean it's the right kind of conscience because some people train their consciences incorrectly. Uh, maybe they have not studied God's word enough and maybe they have just totally ignored God's word and they think they're good, but they're really not. So we have to make sure and remember that. Look at verse number 17. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is the repeated thought that we have already seen several times in First Peter. Christians at times will suffer for righteousness sake. Plain and simple, that is a guarantee uh, if we are living godly in Christ Jesus. Verse number 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. The just for the unjust. This is the vicarious or substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. He was the propitiation for our sins. He provide, provided the atonement for our sins. And if he suffered when he did not deserve it, we must remember that the servant is not greater than his master. So sometimes we're going to suffer as well. Verse number 19, by whom, that is, uh, by the Spirit, also he, Jesus, went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, real quickly, people love to debate the meaning of this verse. What exactly does that mean? Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. I don't know. I have studied this before. I have uh, tried to, you know, just just run this through my mind over and over again, trying to figure out what this means. But to be honest with you, this is one of those passages where I believe it's best to uh, cite Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. I believe it is. The secret things belong to the Lord. Maybe we can ask about the, this uh, particular verse when we get there. But it is definitely uh, very interesting. Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. In, uh, prison. And I'm, I'm thankful uh, that he did so. Verse number 20 who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Now we're going to get into this very crucial section as we wrap up First Peter chapter 3. Peter says that the long-suffering nature of God is reflected in the fact that he did not completely destroy everyone in Genesis chapters 6 and following. No. What does Genesis 6 verse 8 say? Well, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6 verse 22 tells us why. Because Noah was the kind of man that everything that he was told to do, he did it. And so Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Does that mean that Noah was perfect? No, it doesn't mean Noah was perfect. But he was doing his best. He was trying to be pleasing in God's sight, and he did it for the right reason. He loved God, and uh, he wanted to serve him. So Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, eight souls are saved on the ark. Noah, his wife, 
his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their three wives. So that is eight souls. How were they saved, or by what were they saved? Well, the text says they were saved by or through water. You can find various good brotherhood sermons uh, about the idea of there's water in the plan. I believe it was uh, Brother Marshall Keeble had a really good sermon uh, on that. And it's certainly true. There is water in the plan. Peter says, again, Noah and his family were saved through water. Now, verse 21 is certainly a very eye-opening verse. I think there are a lot of people in the denominational world who either gloss over this verse or maybe have never actually read it. Uh, but when they do, uh, it can be very eye-opening. And to be honest with you, there are a lot of um, leaders in denominational circles who really try to uh, do theological gymnastics to get around this verse. But uh, this verse is very plain, and the teaching is clear. But uh, there are many people who sadly refuse to accept it because of their preconceived notions regarding uh, the plan of salvation. So let's go ahead and read it. Verse number 21, there is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. King James Version puts it this way, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what is Peter saying here? Well, he's saying exactly what he meant to say. Baptism now saves us. You cannot get any more plain than that. Uh, Mark 16, verse 16, of course, Peter is in agreement with exactly what Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter says the same thing. Jesus equates baptism with salvation along with belief, of course. Uh, just as Galatians 3, verse 26 talks about how faith is so important, and then verse 27 says, and you're baptized into Christ. Well, uh, Peter points out this simple fact as well, but there are many people who flat out deny this fact. It seems like I remember, I think it was Brother uh, B.J., Brother B.J. Clark, telling us a story in, in school. Uh, maybe it was a guy at Sonic. Uh, maybe I'm mixing up the stories. I can't remember, but he tells us uh, a story of a guy he was studying with one time, and he asked him uh, about baptism, does it save us or not? Well, the guy, of course, vehemently denied such. And so BJ opened up his Bible. I think it was BJ. Maybe maybe I'm mixing that up. But uh, opens up his Bible to 1 Peter 3, verse 21, and asks him to read it. And the guy goes, the light figure whereunto baptism doth also now. And then he looks at it, looks at it again, looks at it some more, and he gets angry. And he shuts his Bible. He slams the Bible shut. And he says something to this effect. I don't care what that says. Baptism doesn't save us. That's what he said, pretty much. 
I don't care what that says, baptism doesn't save us. So 1 Peter 3.21 says, baptism now saves us. This man says, I don't care what that says, baptism doesn't save us. Not to be uh, haughty or anything like that, but just pointing out a simple fact, I'm going to go with what the Bible says. I'm not going to go with uh, what anybody else says. And so that's just an illustration of how dishonest people can be with the text and just flat out deny what the Bible teaches. And it's it's really sad. You know, it's not a laughing matter uh, at all. It's sad that people can be so deceived. Does this verse say, by the way, that baptism lets us earn salvation or that it's some kind of meritorious work or anything like that? Well, no, that is not at all what this is saying. But it does say the baptism saves us. It is the point at which we enter a saved relationship with God. If we want to be saved, we must be baptized. And there are many other passages that we could look at, such as Romans chapter 6, Colossians chapter 2, again, Mark 16, 16, Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27, uh, Acts 2, 38, and, and much of the book of Acts. Uh, Acts twenty two sixteen is a really good one. Now arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. When are your sins washed away? When you arise and are baptized. So uh, there's so many, so many good verses that, uh, clearly teach this, but uh, again, many in the denominational world have uh, manipulated this and and taught error on it uh, for you know hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of years now, and it's it's truly truly sad. Uh, but notice the last part of the verse: not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. So again, good conscience can help us out uh, if it's properly trained. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation, plain and simple, is only made possible through the sinless life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the only reason we have hope, because of the vicarious, substitutionary, propitiation, atonement, redemption, all these words that Jesus Christ provided for us on his cross. Without what Jesus did for us, baptism would do no good uh, without what Jesus did for us on his cross and and then being buried in the tomb and rising again. Uh, by the way, the picture of baptism, Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2, if you study that, just like Jesus died and was buried and rose again, our old man of sin dies, we bury him in the water, we rise up and we walk in newness of life. The very picture of baptism has salvation written all over it. When you study truly Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 7 and Colossians 2 verses 11 through 13. Finally, verse number 22. Talking about Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It says, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God? Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. We turn over and we read in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 1 verses 1 through 5 says something similar about Jesus. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Jesus Christ, oh, isn't he special? He's the one. He's the son of God. The one that we read about in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him should not perish, and have everlasting life. And so when we go back and read 1 Peter 3, verse 22, one more time, Jesus, who has gone into heaven, and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers, having been made subject to him, the question is, are we submitting ourselves to him? by, number one, realizing our state, realizing the fact that we're lost because of sin. Number two, obeying his gospel so that we can be Christians, which includes hearing the word of God, Romans ten seventeen, believing on Christ, John three sixteen, Mark sixteen sixteen, repenting of our sins, Luke 13, verse 3, Acts 2, verse 38, Acts three nineteen. Uh, confessing Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and being baptized into Christ, Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38, Galatians 3, 27, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, Colossians 2, verses 11 and following, uh, Acts 22, 16, and quite a few other verses. That's point number two. Point number three is, are we continuing to submit to Christ once we have done that? by walking in his light as he is in the light, by growing, by keeping the faith so that we can receive the crown of life. I hope that you have enjoyed our study of 1 Peter chapter 3. Lord willing, next week on the podcast, we will get into 1 Peter chapter 4. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.